Perhaps I was 14 years old, maybe younger. I was sitting in a high holy day service in a big social hall as we are now, except I was in Dallas at Temple Emmanuel. I remember reading the liturgy and realizing that the theology of the gates of repentance, the reform movement's moxor of the time, did not fit my beliefs. It was too anthropomorphic for me. I'm grateful, by the way, that our current machzor has a much greater diversity of perspectives about God. But it was at that moment years ago that I began what I would call a God quest that has been important throughout my life. That God quest was among the reasons that I eventually went to Hebrew Union College's rabbinical school and it still leads to my love of exploring spirituality. I think many Jews struggle to find a modern Jewish theology that makes sense to them. I can tell you that in my parents' generation, rabbis and Jews in general rarely spoke about their beliefs about God, and this left a theological vacuum. Yet many of us are seekers of an understanding of God that is spiritually enriching and intellectually credible. Human beings are spiritual creatures. From our earliest days, we have asked, where did we come from and what is asked of me? Judaism in modern times as in ancient times should not leave us bereft of answers to these questions. I believe that our failure to talk about faith is one of the things that has caused the assimilation that we see today. So let's talk a bit about God. Judaism's theology is narrow, but it is not at all monolithic. It is narrow in that it does not allow for a belief in two gods or four gods human gods, moon gods, tree gods, fertility gods. I have a feeling you know the list. We are to worship the creator, not the created. But within Judaism's pure monotheism, there is a striking breadth of thought about divinity. I know one rabbi who says that in Judaism, you can believe in one God or fewer, just not more. In fact, there are atheist secular Jews. For a lot of these dedicated Jews, they are drawn to Judaism as a civilization, a culture rich in history, good values, a strong sense of peoplehood, and a commitment to Israel. Their focus is on Judaism as a way of life. For many Jews today, it is solely this sense of being part of a people or a civilization not a belief in divinity that ties them to Judaism. But when I say that we are not monolithic, I don't just mean that you can either believe in one God or fewer. I mean that within a belief in one God, we have a rich diversity of theological opinions. The Hebrew Bible itself 
written over more than a thousand years and by many writers, includes different nuanced theological perspectives. We have, for example, the writer of the book of Job, who believes that God does not always reward the righteous, versus the author of the book of Deuteronomy, who asserts that God does, in fact, punish and reward according to each person's merits. The protagonist of Ecclesiastes struggles to discern how we should best live our lives, whereas the writer of Genesis believes that God tells us very clearly how to act. So we see that there is a range of theological beliefs going all the way back to the Tanakh. And then we have 2,000 years of sophisticated rabbinic writings about God. The ancient rabbis, for the most part, distance themselves from the Torah's anthropomorphisms. They do not believe that God literally walks in the garden with Adam, as it says in Genesis, or enjoys the smell of sacrifices, as we read in Leviticus. They teach us that these terms are used because it may be easier for us mere mortals to relate to God if we think of God in those human ways. But they assert that those depictions are not meant to be taken literally. But beyond this, the rabbis, each being a different person, have a range of beliefs about God. Some have very mystical views, such as that God's holiness is a force running in and through every single animate and inanimate thing in the universe. Some have very intellectual perspectives, such as Maimonides. His negative theology, as it is called, asserts that one can really only describe what our creator is not. Since God is no thing, we know that God has no body, no gender, no beginning or end, but we cannot really say what God is. God is utterly unique, and therefore we cannot describe God in human terms, according to Maimonides. If you are a spiritual seeker, I encourage you to enter into the dialogue with Judaism seekers through the ages to help you find the theology that is most life-affirming and meaningful to you. And I also want to invite you to come to the Jewish Spiritual Exploration mini-series that artist Beth Ames Swartz and I will lead in late November. Little plug there. As I have studied different modern Jewish theological perspectives, certain ones have been enormously impactful in my life. Rabbi Art Green, in his book Ehiyeh, combines aspects of mysticism with a very modern sensibility. I find his book very enlightening and insightful, and I highly recommend it. And I adore Rabbi Lawrence Kushner's book, I'm God, You're Not. <laughs> Great title. It is about the life-changing impact of putting God rather than ourselves at the center of our world. And there are many other terrific Jewish books on theology today. 
Luckily, the theological vacuum of my parents' generation is no more. We are fortunate to live in a time when we have access to so many amazing modern Jewish theological writings. Today, I want to share one rabbinic view that for two decades or so has been among the most significant in my life. And I hope that for many of you, it will be meaningful too. Rabbi Harold Schulweis, Alav HaShalom, was a leading conservative rabbi, a very effective social justice organizer, and an important Jewish thinker. His way of describing God, as you will see, is deeply rooted in Jewish tradition, while at the same time moving us away from the supernatural anthropomorphic perspective. Schulweis suggests that we think of God as having two interrelated aspects. He noted that we almost always use two words to describe God, Adonai and Elohim. Most of our prayers begin Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God. Why? Why don't we just say Baruch Atah Adonai or Baruch Atah Eloheinu? At the very end of Yom Kippur, we will say seven times, Adonai Hu HaElohim, Adonai is God. Why do we need both Adonai and Elohim? Shulweis suggests that each of these stands for a different aspect of the one God. The first side, and the one that we probably do not emphasize enough, is the Elohim aspect. Elohim is the Hebrew word for God. This term, Shulweis points out, refers to the side of God which is responsible for creation, for nature, and for the natural laws. Genesis 1, which we will read tomorrow, does not use the word Adonai. Only Elohim. Bereshit bara Elohim when God began to create. Those are the first three words of the Torah. And over and over in Genesis chapter one, we hear of Elohim creating the various aspects of the world. Elohim is a very important part of divinity. It is this aspect that we thank for the regularity of the world, for a sun that shines on us every day, for water to drink, for bodies whose systems are so incredibly complex and amazing. Some of us understand Elohim as a force that runs through everything. For others, Elohim is the ultimate thinker who consciously fashioned the laws and elements that allow the universe to exist. We do not have to completely understand Elohim to be grateful to Elohim for creation. This aspect of God is seen in what we might call Judaism's reality principle. The rabbis already centuries ago recognized that the world obeys certain natural laws. We cannot change them. In the Talmud, in Tractate Barachot, we are told not to pray for a certain gender of a child after the baby has been conceived. Why? Because the gender of the child is already determined at that point. 
prayer will not change it. Similarly, we are not to pray for the dead to come back to us. We can pray for strength to deal with our grief, but the laws of nature that the world exists by tell us that those who have died will not come back to us. This reality principle not only teaches us to deal with the world as it is, but it wisely asserts that not everything in the world happens for a moral reason. In the Talmud, in Tractate Avodah Zarah, it says that a man stole a measure of wheat and he sowed it in the ground. The moral law says that it should not develop. It was stolen, but it will grow. The Talmud says that this is because Olam Kaminhago Noheg, the world pursues its own course. This is the nature of nature. Nature, in other words, is amoral. This is an important Jewish teaching for us to remember. It means that the arsonist's fire that kills a small child does so because of the laws of physics, not the laws of morality. Nature is not a court of justice. As Schulweis says, every event has a cause, but not every cause is morally intentioned. Things happen over which we have no control. They are not the will of God, but the nature of God who functions in the world as Elohim. We should have great sympathy for those who suffer because of the laws of nature, and we should not add to their burden by unfairly linking blame to their situation. Elohim is responsible for the wonderful gift of life, but also for the usually amoral timing of death. Yet there is another aspect to God, the Adonai side. In the Torah, we are introduced to yud Hey vav Hey as God's proper name. It is a name that is connected to the verb to be, and it means that God is the eternal being. This four-letter proper name of God we do not pronounce, but instead we say Adonai, meaning my Lord. This name yud Hey vav Hey or Adonai does not appear in the Torah until Genesis chapter 2. It only comes into the religious picture when humans are created. Schulweis describes this side of God as the one that looks to humanity to be God's partners in the world. Within the world, God does give us many choices. There are things we can control. On Yom Kippur, the morning Torah portion says God sets before us ways of living that allow us to be a blessing or a curse. It's up to us to act in a godly or an ungodly way. Judaism looks at humanity as having a mission to help improve the world. This is the Jewish view of our purpose here. We are not here to get into heaven or to live without attachments. Judaism tells us that life is about trying to be a mensch and following the mitzvot. This holiness avenue is the Adonai aspect of God. Adonai teaches us that there are rights and wrongs. 
We hear it in the still, clear voice within us, that voice of our conscience, and in our sacred text. Humanity has the intellectual ability to strive to lead a good and holy life. And when we do so, we are following Adonai. This aspect of the divine teaches us that we do not, that not everything is up to the laws of nature. We pray Baruch Atah Adonai because we recognize that often through prayer, we take that which is given and we seek to transform it. In 2 Kings, King Hezekiah is told by the prophet Isaiah to prepare for death because he is about to die. God has said so. But Hezekiah refuses to accept a death sentence. Instead, he prays for God's forgiveness. And we are told that because he held on to hope, God granted him additional years of life. It's important to remember that we do not always know how things will go. Even modern medicine cannot always predict. Hope should not die too much ahead of the patient. Hope and faith can be very powerful tools in transforming our world and ourselves. It is the Adonai aspect that's responsible for morality. The Kabbalists taught us the concept of tikkun olam, that we can help to repair the world. We often ask God to fix things for which God has already given us the tools to do the repair. When we say that we are created in God's selim, in God's image, we are acknowledging that there's a part of God's transformative abilities in each of us. If we look at the high holy days, we can see that each holiday elevates one of these two aspects. On Rosh Hashanah, we highlight the Elohim side of divinity, giving thanks for the creation of our world and for a new year. And on Yom Kippur, we will focus on the Adonai aspect of our world, putting more attention on ethics and the ability to make amends. We live with both of these realities, two aspects of God. One encourages acceptance, the other transformation. One teaches that tragedies will happen, and the other, that there is always something that can be done after the tragedy. We may not be able to stop the hurricane, and sometimes we cannot cure cancer, but we can help the afflicted. We cannot stop the laws of the universe that make global warming possible, but we can alter our behavior to help prevent it. Shulweis suggests that one way to read the Shema is listen, Israel, Adonai and Eloheinu, both are one. Both the aspect of divinity that gives us a sense of holiness and right living and the part of divinity that creates nature, both are parts of a seamless unity that is greater than us. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. 